Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. Well, we are talking uh, here on Freedom Forum Radio with uh, Donnie Kennedy, Lieutenant Commander-in-Chief of the National Sons of the Confederate Veterans. Uh, He's written a book, He and his brother, Ron, have written a book, The South Was Right. Over 150,000 copies have been sold, available on Amazon.com. So, again, we're talking about still about the the causes of the war between the states or the war of northern aggression. And one of the things that really... Uh, that we've discussed is how the government, the federal government, was actually involved on behalf of northern industrialists in order to create economic hardship for the South. Um, that, that, to me, is just an indicator that even at that time, the government, the federal government, was corrupt. Because how could a small group of wealthy people have their way with the government, get get the tariffs they wanted, the laws they wanted, uh, get financial support from a federal government that was supposed to be equal for all? How did a small group get to be able to be a favored group? There's only one way that happens, and it's called the dollar bill. That's right. And Dr. Dan, one thing that uh, a lot of people don't realize is that as long as we had real states' rights, there was still an ability of the people at the local level to block federal action that was unconstitutional, whether it was through uh, interposition, nullification, or the threat of secession. As long as that existed, there was a chance of, of harmonizing those two groups. That is why those people who wanted centralized power worked so hard to destroy the concept of state sovereignty and the idea of real states' rights. And that is why we have so much trouble today keeping the federal government under control. We don't have states' rights, Dr. Dan. We have state privileges today. The state of North Carolina is allowed the privilege to do whatever the federal government says it can, and that's it. Well, you know, uh, we're now talking about something uh, that is a subject that's very, very important to me. Uh, Our federal government, or as in that day, as I called it, the central government, okay, was a voluntary union of 13 states. Uh, 
Right. Uh, 13 states got together and wrote a contract. And by that contract, they created a central government. They gave it limited powers. They reserved all the other powers for the states and the citizens of the states. Right. Uh, and, of course, that's the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights is the most incredibly important do document that could ever have been written because that's what protects you and me from the power of the government. Uh, and that's why the federal government now and the collectivists are so desperate to try to eliminate the Bill of Rights because right. that's our freedom right there. Those 10, 10 amendments, the first 10 amendments of the Constitution. But the important thing that you brought up, and I think this is incredibly important to me, is that when you have states that voluntarily join a union, they do have rights as states and those rights are to protect themselves and their citizens from the power of the central government. And they were given three tools by the founders. And those, of course, were nullification, interposition, and secession. Uh, right. And the ink was not even dry on the Constitution when, when the founders themselves wanted to nullify the Alien and Sedition Acts. Exactly. I mean, exactly. that happened... But the ink wasn't dry on the Constitution, and here they were using the tools that they expected us to be able to use to protect ourselves from what is happening today uh, in America. Isn't that how you would see it? Exactly. Dr. Dan, you made a great point there about the Alien and Sedition Acts. Of course, Jefferson and Madison wrote the famous Kentucky and Virginia Resolves in opposition to that, but the Alien and Sedition Acts is really similar to what the federal government is doing right now to people. They're saying, you are guilty and we are going to charge you. They had actually a sitting congressman charged in the Alien and Sedition Act. He was tried before the Supreme Court and convicted and sent to jail. So people who say, well, we can go to the Supreme Court for to protect our rights. No, the Supreme Court is part of the problem. It's part of the federal government. We, the people at the local level, have to have in our hands the tools to force the federal government to abide by our contract with them, the Constitution, or else we, we live under the thumb of the federal government. So that is why so many people before the war was trying to destroy the concept of sovereign states the concept of states' rights, and therefore the central government could grow and do whatever it wanted to. And if the North, being more populous, it, if it controlled the federal government, well, it could then plunder the South all it wanted to, and the South could do nothing. We were essentially a colony of the industrial North. And that is one of the reasons why Southerners said, we can't keep doing this. We've got to get out. We've got to secede. And uh, of course, uh, it's interesting. You you said that this is a republic, essentially a republic of republic, a uh, compound republic. Do you realize 
Before Abraham Lincoln, there were, uh, see, Lincoln was the 16th president. There were 15 presidents. I've gone back and looked at the inaugural addresses of every president before Lincoln. And do you realize every one of them acknowledges that every state is sovereign? That is not the federal government that is sovereign. It is the federal, it is the states. We, the people of the states, we're the rulers of this nation, not the federal government. Now, interesting, after Lincoln, do you realize there's only been one president after Lincoln that said that the states created the federal government and not the federal government created the states? Because that's what Lincoln said. That one president that said that we must remember, quote, that the states created the federal government, not the federal government created Satan. That was Ronald Reagan. I almost fell out when I heard him uh, make that speech when he was inaugurated as president. But he's the only president since Lincoln that has acknowledged that. Everyone else pretty well says the federal government is the boss. Whatever the Supreme Court rules, you have to abide by it. Well, that's like letting the uh, the umpires of a little league team be all the parents of the opposition team. Well, you can't do that. You're not going to be fair. You're not going to get an equal justice there. The federal government cannot be allowed to be the sole judge of its power or else we get federal tyranny. And that is exactly what we have today. Look what's going on today in the federal government. It is running amok of our liberties. And there is no way we can solve the problem until we get back to what our founding fathers gave us, where we had the tools in our hands of sovereign states, all 50 of them, individually, and then we can block the federal government. Now, uh, right quick, I want to mention something about secession. I had on an interview one time, a guy said, well, what kind of government would you have if the states could withdraw at will? I said, well, simple, you'd have a free government because we'd put the federal government on notice. If you trample upon our rights, we're out of here. And that is the problem we have now. It's like a husband and a wife in a loving relationship. The union will last forever. But if the husband is abusive to the wife, what can the wife do? Well, she can divorce him. But if he grabs her by the hair of the head and beats her to a pulse and chains her, chain her to the bed, has he saved the union, Dr. Uh, Dan? He hasn't saved the union. He has destroyed the loving union of a marriage. And of all the presidents, I like to quote John Quincy Adams from Massachusetts, the sixth president, the son of President John Adams, who said that you cannot use force to keep this union together, he said, because you will, dis in the very act, you will destroy the uh, union. He said, it'd be far better to let the people go if they're unhappy and work with them and hopefully work through your problems and then join back together. That was John Adams of Massachusetts. And he said that in, in 1836, I believe, just about 15 years before South Carolina seceded from the Union. So secession is a tool that we, the people at the local level, can use to force the federal government to act correctly and not trample upon our civil liberties and rights, which they are doing right now. And if you're a conservative, you better look out because the federal government can use the authority of the CIA, FBI, 
anybody they want to, to trample upon your rights. Look at those people who just walked through the Capitol in January the 6th and have spent two years in prison because they just walked into a, through a door that was open. Now, I'm telling you, it's dangerous. We've got to get back to the situation where we can force the federal government to abide by the Constitution or we're going to live in. Well, we are talking uh, here on Freedom Forum Radio with uh, Donnie Kennedy, Lieutenant Commander-in-Chief of the National Sons of the Confederate Veterans. And those are all very, very powerful points. And I'm going to amplify a couple of them because I think it's really important. Um, there's direct proof, for instance, that the Constitution is a contract among the 13 states and that the federal government or central government of that time was the creation of the states. If you look at the bottom of the Constitution, there are signature blocks. There are 13 signature blocks, one block for each state. There is no signature block for the federal government in which it says we accept this or whatever. Because the federal government was not was not a party to Amen. that agreement. It was Amen. simply the creation of 13 states who got together and said, in Article 1, Section 8, for instance, here are the things that you can do because it's a little bit better if the federal government does this wow. for all of us. So we're giving you these powers. The rest we're reserving for the states and the people in the 10th Amendment, which is exactly what the 10th Amendment says. And, and so that our whole government was set up to be a system where where free sovereign states, they are the ones where the power resided, them and, of course, the citizens of those states who are also sovereign people. And those sovereign citizens gave up a tiny piece of their sovereignty to the state government. And that's where the power lay in the hands of the state government. Okay, so, can sure. I make a quick point here? Because you're hitting right on you're hitting on the target that I love. You're 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 right on tar target here. The Constitution in two places, and I'm not even go to the Bill of Rights, but in Article One, Section One, it clearly states all powers herein granted shall reside in. The federal government is not the one granting that power. It's the people of the states. It's a superior grantor is granting to its agent, the federal government. And then you go all the way to the end to Article 7, and you alluded to this already. How is this document to be formalized? What gives it its power? It is the people of the sovereign states acting on their own free volition. They had the choice. They could either go into the union, they could ratify the Constitution, or they could deny ratification. And no state was compelled to come into the union. It wasn't a majority vote of 13 states. Seven states couldn't compel the rest to come in. Seven states, if seven states had ratified, only seven states had ratified the Constitution, they would not be, uh, it would not be legitimate for them to go to war and force the others into the union. No, it was a voluntary action of we, the people of the sovereign state. So the Constitution, I mean, anybody that says that, that secession cannot be uh, verified and, and qualified in the Constitution, they don't know how to read the Constitution. That's all I can say. Well, of course, you realize that 
<clears throat> Abraham Lincoln, uh, he uh, went to war and probably provoked the war in order to preserve the Union. That was his initial thing. That's what he said. He was there. And you know, there's there certainly is uh, a public record of him saying that slavery had nothing to do with the war and that he wasn't going to war because of slavery. He was going to war to preserve the Union. Uh, and I mean, that really was what that was all about. And, and their desire, as you said earlier, and I, I believe this was to strip the states of their constitutionally uh, required, uh, required by the Constitution, the, the, the power of each individual state to be a sovereign unit. That's really what the war was about. Exactly. Lincoln and his industrialist buddies up north could not tolerate the fact that there were states that could say, look, you're screwing me over. I am out of here. Right. But you know as well as I do that if five guys get together and form a corporation uh, to make widgets, and after they've made enough widgets and one of the guys said, look, I'm really not happy, I'm going to leave. Well, yeah, there may be uh, discussions about how to be bought out or whatever, right. but no one has the right to prevent someone from leaving a voluntary union. There may be legal ramifications, sure, but that's what you negotiate. Right. You don't have to go to war over them, but you can't prevent someone like South Carolina or the rest of the South by saying, look, you're screwing me over. I told you don't screw me over. You still kept screwing me over, so I am out of here. Yeah, and you're so and you're so very correct. The uh, the Southern states were merely doing those things which the founding fathers had established, even back in the Declaration of Independence. The Declaration of Independence clearly tells Americans that free people have the right to alter or abolish any government that they're not happy with and to establish one more to our liking. When people talk about American exceptionalism, there it is. There it is, because here in this nation, it is the people that rule the government. The government does not rule the people. And that is what is so ex was so exceptional about these United States and the Declaration of Independence. Uh, obviously, Lincoln never read the Declaration of Independence, or if he did, he ignored it. But Patrick Henry said it very well. And, and Ron and I, in our presentation, we often quote Patrick Henry where he said, the first thing I have at heart is American liberty. The second thing is American union. Now, Patrick Henry and the founding fathers understood that here in America, liberty was a sine qua non, the very essence of America. The thing without which you don't have, it's, it's like making, may try to make bread without wheat. It is a sine qua non. It is the very essence of what makes bread. Liberty is the essence of what makes America. And when you put government before uh, liberty, you have destroyed what the founding fathers have established, and that's what Lincoln did. And that is one reason Ron and I felt so compelled many years ago to write The South Was Right. And I think that's why so many people have responded to it, because it tells the story of the South where people can understand this is about freedom, liberty. It's not about slavery. So I've enjoyed people asking me about that, you know, 
Why do you think the South was right? Because Patrick Henry was right. America was right in 1776. The South was right in 1861. And if you don't believe it, look at what has happened since the defeat of the South. Uh, uh, I think it was Robert, yeah, it was General Robert E. Lee in a letter to Lord Acton. Lord Acton asked General Lee, this was after the war, what was going to become of the United States now that the South was defeated and the Southern stance on states' rights has been destroyed. What is going to happen to America? Do you know what Robert E. Lee said? He said that with the loss of real states' rights, if the concentration of all powers into the hands of the politicians and bureaucrats in Washington, D.C., he said, Lee said, America would, quote, become aggressive abroad and despotic at home. Aggressive abroad, despotic at home. Look what's happening today. Look at your news today and tell me Robert E. Lee was wrong. No, he hit the nail square on the head. He understood the necessity of real states' rights and why, what it meant to free people in a free society. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything gonna be.